comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs and one. Cal up top. Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. And he popped it deep. He was banging. Well, Watson and a foul. This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. What's up, Aztec fans? Welcome to the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. My name is Trone, and I'll be your host today. For today's episode, we have a list of things. First off, I'm going to talk about how Ken Palm works a little bit because I've had a couple people ask me on Twitter if I could explain it a little in a little more detail. So I'm going to do my best with that. Then I got a voice message sent in, and so I will play that and respond to it. Thank you very much. Keep sending those things in, guys. And then after that, we will be joined by Mike from Aztec Hoops Nation for the second time. Really lucky to be getting him on. Really looking forward to it. And we'll just talk about, uh, you know, the state of the basketball team and what we think after the Grand Canyon game and looking forward. So first off, when it comes to Ken Palm, Ken Palm is a computer ranking system. And what it tries to do, it's supposed to be a predictive metric. So it's supposed to take all this information and then make predictions off of um, who will win if such team A and team B play each other. Like any other metric, it's not going to be 100% accurate, but it is widely recognized as being the best one. And um, this hasn't been stated by anybody, but the new the new net system, the NET system that the NCAA is using to rank their teams, does a lot of what Ken Palm's rankings already did. There are differences, of course, but they're very similar. <clears throat> so, with that, what does Ken Palm do? What Ken Palm does? It was created by Ken Pomeroy, and it uses a bunch of advanced math and algorithms and regressions and stuff. And it takes the offensive rating and the defensive rating of any given team. And then it adjusts it to show what those ratings would be if your team in question played against an average level team for that season. So the average changes every year. So for example, if the Aztecs had an offensive rating of 110, that means that if they had 100 possessions, they would score 110 points. That's pretty good. What Ken Palm would do is he would say, okay, they have an offensive rating of 110, but they got that playing three crappy teams, let's say. This is all for hypothetical. They played three really poor defensive teams, but they have an offensive rating of 110 if they had played three average level teams, that offensive rating might be 102 or it might be 98 or whatever it would be. So he uses this math to put out this number of what the rating would be if your team played against an average level team. So for example, right now, the uh, San Diego State offense has an adjusted offensive rating of 101.9, which is above average. Um, it's actually good for 94th in the country right now. And then he does the same thing for defense. What you can see if you go on, if you type in KenPom.com, you do have to pay 20 bucks a year to get access to all the advanced numbers and all the things that Ken Palm does. I, you know, it's up to you guys if you want to 
pay for it or not. It's, I think it's a pretty good deal, but I'm also really about this stuff and I can spend just hours in any given day looking at it. Um, so it's well worth, worth my money. What you can see if you don't pay for it though, is you will look up at the top and it will say ADJEM, which stands for adjusted efficiency metric. And all that does is it takes the net difference between a team's offensive rating, their adjusted offensive rating, and their adjusted defensive rating. And it spits out a number. And so what that number is supposed to represent is if your team played an average team, this would be how many points they would win or lose by. And that's how the ranking is done. So the higher that number is, the higher up the ratings you're going to be. So for example, San Diego State's right now, as I'm recording, um, is 10.21. So if they played an average level team, they would be expected to win by about 10 points if the game lasted for 100 possessions. College games pretty much never go to 100 possessions. I haven't seen one. I haven't looked for one, but I haven't seen one ever, really. Um, NBA games normally go to about 100 possessions, sometimes more, sometimes less. But those are also eight minutes longer, and they have six seconds left or less on the shot clock. So it's pretty rare for college games to get even, even really close to that. That's how that rating works. And so one of the questions that was asked of me was, uh, how could Kentucky lose to an average level team? I think the team they lost to was rated in the 180s somewhere, which is pretty much right exactly average. It's right in the middle. How could they lose to an average level team and still be in the top five of Ken Palm? Well, that's part of it. So Ken Palm will use the score differential to do part of their ratings. Kentucky lost by one point. Um, I don't know how much they were predicted to win by because that matters. If you're on Twitter, you'll often see me say, you know, the Aztecs need to win by X amount of points in order to increase their Ken Palm rating. Right now, Ken Palm has San Diego State as three-point favorites over the University of San Diego, which means if they beat San Diego but only by one point, their ratings will actually go down a little bit, whereas if they beat San Diego by 10 points, their ratings will go up. So that's... I mean, that's a lot of information, but that's how Ken Palm works. The other thing that's important is that at this early in the season, the Ken Palm algorithms use results from last year still, and they do until either January or February, somewhere in that range. And so at this point of the season, the numbers aren't so much reflective of this year as they are of last year. And then as more games get added on, there's a bigger sample size. And then Ken Pomeroy says, okay, now our sample size is big enough. Enough teams have played each other um, so that there's connections between all the teams. And now we can let these numbers stand on their own. And so right now, San Diego state is ranked 71 overall um, in the Ken Palm ranking. I think that could be higher um, just based off of the way they've played, but it is, I believe, getting dragged down by last year's result a little bit. You know, last year they finished, I think, 125 in Ken Palm, and then they started this year around 100. It was like 98 or something like that on opening day. And so they're, you know, they're fighting against last year's results. Um, so that's that's how Ken Palm works. Just, I mean, for reference, Utah State is at 56 in Ken Palm right now, and New Mexico is at 86. Those are the three teams that are in the top 100 
of Ken Palm that are in the Mountain West Conference. So hopefully that helps clear some things up and helps you guys understand if you hear somebody talk about Ken Palm or if I mention it or whatever the case may be with that. Next up, let's go to the voice message. Hey, good morning. Uh, my name is Kyle Parcell. I just had a quick thought on the latest podcast about Rocky Long. Uh, I agree. Rocky has been huge for taking this program to new heights and being a consistent um, uh, program out West. Um, however, times are changing and I think he's just, he's too old school. Um, you know, he's defensive minded, which, uh, you know, and now in today's game is a lot of teams are going to younger offensive minded coordinators, innovators who, you know, um, the game has changed, you know, you need to score points. Um, and it's very evident with like Oklahoma and Texas and, uh, even with Alabama, who's very usually defensive minded, their, their offense is putting up, you know, 30, 40 points now. So I think they need to go out, find a young guy. Kevin O'Connell was a great mention. I don't think he, he would leave the NFL to come back here. Danny Gonzalez, another guy, I think with, with program ties, that would be great. Um, so just want to drop that in. Keep up the great work guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Kyle, for sending in that message. I really appreciate it. Remember, everybody, you can send in your own messages and get heard on the show if you go to anchor.fm slash Aztec Breakdown. I really appreciate anybody who decides to send in a message. I, I first off want to say that, you know, while if you heard the last episode, I, I do disagree with Kyle. Um, that doesn't mean that, you know, I think him or anybody who has his opinion are like dumb or wrong or anything. Um, we just have a, a difference of opinions. And I think that's, that's fine. And I think it's important to realize that intelligent people can have different opinions and it's not like the end of the world. Um, so I just want to approach that to make sure it doesn't sound like I'm being like really combative or argumentative or anything like that. There are definitely a lot of people that share Kyle's opinion. And it was honestly something I was hoping to get on the last episode. And it just so happened that uh, Tanner and AJ over at Aztec's coverage tended to pretty much have the same opinion that I did. Um, but I really wanted to get a dissenting opinion on the show. So Kyle, thank you very much. I, I do want to say that I, I do like that Kyle brought up a couple examples of guys who could come in and replace Rocky, because as I said in the last show, that's the number one thing I ask for, for first. I think one of Rocky's greatest attributes in terms of, you know, his being our, our coach at San Diego state is that he is loyal and he doesn't want to go anywhere else. And he has proven that because other teams have offered him large amounts of money to go coach uh, elsewhere. And so you know, Kyle brought up a couple coaches. Kevin O'Connell was mentioned in the last episode. Um, I would also bet that he wouldn't want to leave the NFL. I also haven't really followed his coaching career very much, so I don't know how good he's been doing. But it, apparently, it's been it's been pretty solid at the very least. Um, and then Danny Gonzalez was a defensive backs coach at San Diego State, and then was defensive coordinator. I think just for one season, and then he ended up taking the defensive coordinator job at Arizona state and is still there. And I think he has a different title now as well. It's like defensive coordinator and assistant head coach or something like that. It's, you know, it's it, like a title change that, that makes him seem higher up. Um, so, so those are both good. I, I do wonder whether either of those guys, if they came 
how how loyal to the program they would be. Um, there's no way to know that for sure, but I think if you are the athletic director at San Diego State, that is something that you have to ask about. You have to say, if you find success, will you plan on leaving to go somewhere else? Because at San Diego State, you know, it's a mid-major program. We're in the Mountain West Conference, which doesn't get the best TV deals. We can't afford to pay uh, coaches the same amount of money they might make at UCLA or at USC or Oregon or, you know, Alabama, Texas, Oklahoma, wherever. They all have a lot more money, a lot more resources. So finding somebody that's willing to stay for less money to be part of something special is really important. And that, that was the same thing with, uh, with Steve Fisher on the basketball side. And now, and now Brian Dutcher on the basketball side is they came here planning to stay here. And Steve Fisher obviously found a lot of success and other teams came in asking, Hey, do you want to come coach for a bigger conference with more resources? And Steve Fisher said, no, I like what I'm doing here in San Diego. So that's, that's super important. And, and, you know, Getting into a debate about that is kind of useless because there's no way to know for sure. But if you think um, that there's a reasonable chance that they stay cool, they've they've hit the first the first check mark. After that, one of the other things I like about Rocky Long and his system is that it's it's different. In in what what I mean by that is. If the Aztecs were to switch over to really anybody, but let's say they go get some young offensive coordinator somewhere um, to come in and bring in, and this guy wants to revamp the offense and and do all this stuff, this, that, and the other, uh, that coach will now be competing with those big schools for those big name recruits. So we want to go get, you know, one of the big name four-star, five-star quarterbacks, well, so does USC and so does UCLA and so does Arizona State and so does Arizona and so does, you know, everybody else wants to. So you're fighting all these schools for this player. And like I said before, they have more resources. They have more uh, just, you know, cachet. They have more program prestige. It's, it's going to be hard to get that guy when everybody's going after him. Whereas with the system Rocky runs, it makes it easier to find guys that – maybe have a hole or two in their game, but they're maybe just highly specialized. In theory, that's what they should be looking for anyways, in my opinion. I, I can't say that they are, but it's what they should be looking for. And so the best example I can think of is somebody um, on the offensive line. If you're trying to run a run-heavy offense and everybody else around you is trying to run a pass-heavy offense, those schools might look over somebody who's a really good run blocker but is limited in pass protection. Whereas then Rocky Long can come in and say, look, nobody else is offering you here. I'm here offering you a full-time scholarship because I believe in what you can do. And then you get a solid player who, uh, you know, can have an impact on your team with the way you play that everybody else looked over. I think you could do that to a certain extent with the quarterback position. Um, it's, you know, it's a little bit tougher. I would like to think, what, what I would want to do if I was running the offense at San Diego State is I would want – obviously you want a quarterback who can throw when it's required and especially in a play-action type of setting. But I would want a quarterback who in theory is like Ryan Agnew, um, 
not because Ryan Agnew has been a great or a world beater or anything, but because he's mobile and he can move around and he can pick up yards and first downs with his feet. I would want a quarterback like that. And then just, you would want to design plays to get him out into space. That has been one of my biggest complaints actually this season with the way the offense has been run is that they haven't found ways to get Agnew into space to pick up yards with his feet. And we saw, uh, I, it was during the Nevada game. I think it was, it was kind of towards the end and the Aztecs had like a second and 18 or a third and 18 and they ran a play and Agnew picked it up with his feet. And I was just thinking, why don't they do this more often? Um, I mean, there's always, you know, I'm not so naive to think that that's necessarily easy to do or that that would solve all the problems, but it's just, you know, something else. And it's a way that you can target guys that have certain flaws in their game and still make them valuable and utilize them the way you want. Um, Rocky's system on both sides of the ball really allows you to do that. Cause on defense, once again, you're playing a three, three, five defense. Nobody plays that. And so you're looking for players that bring different attributes to the table. You know, if everybody else is looking for linebackers and defensive backs that can drop back in coverage and lock people down. Um, and you're just looking for guys who are really fast and can play a little bit of man to man. And you're looking for, you know, as opposed to these big giant uh, gap gap stuffing defensive linemen you're looking for these smaller guys who are faster and can shoot up through the gaps you know it's once again it's you're finding guys that other schools are overlooking and i think that's the way you have to do it if you're a mid-major school um i don't know I've, i've been rambling for a minute it's like i said in the last episode i do think it's probably time for horton to go um, and my reason is is because I think he has mismanaged the roster that he has been given or that he's recruited or however you want to phrase it. I don't think he's used his guys in the best way. And the game against Fresno, the second half looked better, I thought. I wasn't able to watch it super intently. I was also doing other things. But I thought the offense in the second half looked better. Uh, I didn't think it was better enough to necessarily – save a job and not that any of it matters. Cause realistically he'll be, he'll be back next season. Anyways, I, I, uh, that's, yeah, those were, those were the values that I see Rocky bringing. And I think if you switch up, uh, your, your head coach, those values go away unless you bring in somebody else who's also doing that. So I really like having a guy that runs the three, three, five defense. I like having a guy who wants to run the ball first And I don't think you need a once in a generation back to be able to do that. I might be alone in this and I'm not nearly as in tune with football as I am with basketball, but I feel like the Aztec running backs get hit in the backfield a lot more this year than they have in past years. And I I thought that a little bit last year too, actually. And so something I've been wondering to myself, and I'll probably ask Mike this later when he's on the show is just, to what extent is the offensive line the issue more so than any of the running backs or more so than maybe even Ryan Agnew? Um, I think if, if the Aztecs can get a really good recruiting class in of offensive linemen, um, I think that can fix some of the issues that we've been seeing on the offensive end. Because if you get good enough run blocking offensive linemen, I feel like 
you know, most, most any, not anybody in a literal sense, but you can get any, you know, starting running back in high school and have them come to college and have them pick up three or four yards of carry. And that hasn't been happening this year. And that hasn't been happening last year. And maybe that's a misplaced assumption on my part. Uh, but it's, it's what I, what I feel to be true. Um, somebody can definitely tell me like, Hey, that's not actually the case. You don't know what you're talking about. And that's fine. Like I said, football isn't, isn't my specialty, but it is something I enjoy. But I wonder if the offensive line is the issue and something that could be fixed the easiest. And then you start getting those three, four, five yard runs, wear down the defense and then break off the big ones towards the second half. Um, anyways, I just, I wanted to, to riff on that for a minute and just kind of more fully explain my thought process on, you know, you need a coach that's loyal. And in my opinion, you need a coach that's going to do something different than what everybody else is doing because we can't afford to compete on the recruiting stage with those other schools, at least not yet. Maybe once you're consistently in the top 25 every year, then, you know, maybe, um, but we're not, you know, we get in for, for a week, every other year or so, and then lose that very first week we're in it. So um, that's, yeah, that's that. With that, let's take a short break. And then when we come back, we will be joined by Mike. to the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. I am joined by Mike from Aztec Hoops Nation. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing well, John. Thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it. It's always fun. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I have mentioned before, podcasting is just, it's so much better when you have somebody else to talk to, both you know, for me recording it as well as I'm sure for the listeners as well. Um, so let's get into it here. First off, I want to say we're recording on a, on a Monday night, and so earlier today, news broke about uh, progress on the new stadium. Have you, been, have you been following that? What's your take on it? Oh, de- definitely been following it. Um, it looks like today um, they're going to come up with a purchase and sale agreement, hopefully by December. So uh, it looks like things are moving in the right, in the right direction. Um, you know, the Aztecs, well, San Diego State made, I thought, a good um, – you know, improvement in their offer, obviously ticked a lot of the, of the city's boxes. Um, but like in all negotiations, I mean, they didn't just roll over and give them everything. I know it's a city, you know, but there is some, has to be some uh, give or take. And hopefully what they did was enough to, you know, close the deal out because they want to get the stadium built for 2022. Um, but uh, like I said, it's all seems to be moving in the right direction right now. It's definitely encouraging to see that, some type of progress has been made. I, I got to admit, I'm a little bit confused. I don't know if you can clear this up for me, but um, when I originally read December, I thought, oh, wow, we're moving the timetable up. That seems really confusing. But then I, I read deeper, and I think it said uh, the agreement deadline is December 2020, which actually moves it way back. Am I am I reading that right? Did you read the same thing? Um, I... I... I didn't see that. I got home and I just caught a little bit. And I, as I was mentioning to you 
off there. Like I, I saw something that was a little clear and I was looking for it between Sunny Wrist record and when we were speaking at I haven't seen that. But um yeah. I think there is so <clears throat> there is some let's see, what's this? There there's there's December. I did hear the December, I didn't hear twenty twenty, but I heard what I understand is they have they're gonna come up with a sales agreement between the city and the and, and SDSU and the city's gonna write it. So it's kinda so it'll kinda become a foregone conclusion. I know that the city is weary about SDSU's, you know, timeline trying to be fast, but um, that's the way I understood it. But again, I have to read into it more a little bit because I, I saw a really great one, but I can't find the, the, the clarification that I saw online. So I'll keep looking at that one. For sure. I was, I was trying to look into it just like on Twitter. I didn't go into any articles or anything, but um, mm-hmm. I don't know, just some of the verbiage when it comes to this legal stuff gets really confusing for me. So I didn't know if you had seen anything. We don't need to talk about it a whole lot. It's just nice that some form of progress is is being made. Um, and hopefully the listeners have heard have heard other things and kind of know what we're talking about a little bit. Um, yeah, and, you, and, I, and if they had, I hope they just put in the con- in the comments to, to the to this you know recording and let us know. Maybe they'll help clear it up for everybody. I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot of people on Twitter that follow a lot better than we do, and they, they probably have some answers. Definitely. Did you watch the uh, the football game against Fresno State? Uh, I, here and there, um, you know, I had family issues but to take care of at home, but I did watch here and there. I, I, I hate to say, I, lo- I love my Aztecs, but, man, it's tough to watch Aztec football. Uh, it's, it's hard. But uh, I, I did. But, the, you know, it's not sexy. It's, it's big-time defense and – and an offense that doesn't really, you know, fly through the air. So it was tough, but I did watch. I did watch some of it. Awesome. I I got to admit, I uh, I wasn't able to watch the whole game as well. I was I was also sidetracked a little bit, but I had it on like in the corner, basically. And I would I would peek in on it. Um, I don't know if you listened to to last week's episode at all, but I, I had, had I had a. God, I'm going on Tanner and AJ from Aztecs yeah. coverage on, and we talked about the coaching situation and we all kind of agreed that um, Jeff Horton should be replaced, but Rocky Long should stay. What is your take on that whole situation? I'm with you. I'm with you guys. I think the same. I think, you know, um, Rocky has earned yeah. the right to go on his final term. And I know it's tough, and I know it's, for some people it might seem like not wanting to move forward, but there's no guarantee the next coach is going to be better than Rocky. And, you know, he he does it for a great, you know, I hate, he's a great deal. Like, he's, you get a lot of bang for your buck. And being a mid-major school looking to build a new stadium and take over this new piece of land, I, I don't think San Diego State's, you know, flush of money. They start hiring new coaches and paying, you know, salaries off. Uh, hiring new kind of coach, excuse me. So, I, I I think he's earned that right to go when he wants to go, and I don't think he'll overstay. You know, he'll st- overstay his time here when he's ready. I think I think I heard he was seventy two, if I'm correct, or so- something in that range. But when he's yeah, ready, exactly. yeah, uh, when he's ready, I think he'll he'll you know he'll go and you know, like I said, but defense is still really great. Um, I don't think the defense is the problem. Sorry, I just checked. He's sixty nine. 
It's all good. I wasn't worried about the the specific number. Yeah, he's up there. I I'm not gonna get too into it because because before in the segment I recorded before you were here, I got more in depth into the into the Rocky situation. Um, yeah. I just wanted to see if you if you brought a different perspective that we didn't have because I want to you know try and bring in those other perspectives as much as possible, if only just to uh, to avoid the group thing there. Definitely, um, and, I, and I, you know, I'm open to people speaking. I get it. I personally, um, don't you know? I think I think we're on. You know, a, he's doing well on the defensive side, but obviously the offense is lacking, and uh, you know that the offense to be fixed with a new coordinator, in my opinion. But yeah, I mean that's the way I see it too. If if the team started losing more, I mean last year wasn't great but technically it was still a winning record even if i think it was just by one game um this year it's it's more than that if the team was losing i would say rocky needs to go or if the defense started to fall off i would say he needs to go i you know i i wouldn't say i'm so far as he gets to go out on his own terms like bar anything you know if the performance starts to drop then i would say he should go but um, right now it's just the offensive side of the ball that is the concern. And I think you can fix that and still keep Rocky. And I don't know, we don't need to get, um, too deep in it. Let's, let's get into the basketball side of things. Cause that's where I think both of our passions lie. Um, yep. let's start with on Sunday, which was yesterday for us, but a couple days ago, probably for the listeners, um, News came out that San Diego State is going to be able to stream the the remaining games that weren't going to be on TV already. So they're going to stream it through the Mountain West Network. Do you, in your opinion, is that a win for the program or for the fans or anything like that? Or is it still like too small, it's too little, too late type thing? What are your thoughts? I'm so torn between the whole streaming versus TV thing. Like, first of all, I'm just glad um, that it's I can watch it somewhere. Um, like I said, I, I've I've had some new um, responsibilities at home that haven't allowed me to go to many to any games this year, and not, I don't plan on going to any in the foreseeable future this season because of things at home. But um, I mean, I'm glad to see it somewhere so I can watch it from home. But I get, I'm torn. Like, I get it. I get, you know, you want to be on TV and you want to be, uh, you know, be able to watch it that way. But I, I guess, like I said, for me, it's just I'm just happy that there's a place I can see them. And, and that, to me, is a win. I don't know what you think, Tron. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm in, I'm in pretty much the same, the same boat. I actually live out of state. And so getting to games is, is even harder. And I try to get to one each year, normally around the holidays when I return, but it's, it's hard, it's hard to do. And so having any option to watch makes me happy. And as the, as a fan, I'm like, Hey, if I get to watch, it's, it's all good. I'm not, I'm not going to worry about it. As somebody who wants the program to get bigger and better, you definitely want those better TV deals because that's what brings in the big money. But that being said, I mean, it was it was just really sad that they couldn't find a way to just stream the game online themselves. 
And having them be able to do that feels like they finally stepped into like the last decade. Like it's almost 2020 and they're, they're just now figuring out how to stream things. Right. Um, so it's, it's a win, but it's like a sad win, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it, but yeah. um, overall, I'm just happy that I'll be able to watch and that will let me uh, possibly record the games as well and save them. I have a huge, I have a, a, a portable hard drive that okay. I, any chance I get, I record the game that I'm streaming on my computer and I just save it for later and then I can, I can watch it later. And that's partly for the YouTube channel. That way I can analyze the film and stuff. And that's also partly just because I like to watch the games. Um, it's fun. So if they're on, if they're being streamed somewhere, that gives me a chance to record it. So I'm happy about that. Yeah, I, I, I know it seems like we're thinking alike here, but it is, you know, for, like I said, for those that can't be at the game, um, obviously you'd love to have a better way to watch it, but you'll take any chance you get. And for me, it's better than watching BYU TV, which just made me feel, you know, icky inside because I, <laughs> I feel like I had to give my information to BYU and it, it was just not a good feeling. I, uh, you know, I didn't even have to sign up. I just like typed in the game and it showed me the link and I've watched it on their site a couple of times since then. And I still never had to sign up. So I, uh, I don't know how I did it. I wish I could have known and told people, but, um, yeah, it was, it was weird. Anyways, that's not important. I, I digress. <laughs> let's, let's get into some real basketball talk here. This is what everybody's been waiting for. So my first thought to you, I, I noticed this last year, and it's starting again this year to look the same way. Last season, the Aztecs started the season shooting incredibly well from behind the arc. I don't know what the number was. I probably have a record of it somewhere, but I didn't have it pulled up, so we're not going to worry about it. It was, it was good, though. It was like 40-plus percent from behind the arc for the first 10 games, 15 games, something, something around there. And then as the year went on, the shooting fell off. Uh, they finished not nearly – they finished, I think, about league average. It was about 35%. Yes. Okay. And uh, as we saw, like, especially in the, the conference tournament, the offense was nowhere to be found outside of, of Devin Watson. And that is probably what lost the Utah State game that, that kept the Aztecs out of the tournament. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on this season has started off the same way and the Aztecs are shooting 43.7% from the behind the arc. I want to know in your opinion, is that sustainable? And if not, is it, is it sustainable enough to a point where maybe 40, not 43 isn't sustainable, but maybe 38, 39 ish is sustainable. What, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think it is. I was, I was looking at the numbers and just kind of looking at to see how guys are going. And, I mean, you obviously have some, cra uh, some crazy numbers and, you know, Malachi Flynn shooting 50%, Jordan Shackles 71.4, K.J. Uh, Fagan shooting 50. And, again, it's a small sample size. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you also have, you know, uh, Trey Pulliam hasn't hit a single one yet. And, um, and there's a couple other guys that are 0 for, you know, 0 for a couple – so you think they're going to get some. Uh, I, I think 
I, I kind of, I think, I think Malachi Flynn said it that when guys, when there's one guy off, you know, off on the shooting, there's going to be another guy stepping it up. And I truly believe that. I mean, we've seen Jordan Shackle uh, really show that he is a three-point shooter, and you know, he has a like a good repertoire. Um, progression in his numbers and shooting percentage. Um, I, I read the article by Ziegler about how, you know, it died off at the end of the year and, and he's been, you know, trying to, to, to save his legs, I guess a little bit. So he, that doesn't happen this year, but I mean, you have guys that shot well, I think KJ Fagan shot like 40 something percent um, at Santa Clara, Mackay Flynn. I mean, I, you touched on him. He was a very, it was a volume shooter. Um, so that caused, you know, that may have caused his numbers to not be as great as they were from behind three-point line. And, you know, uh, you have Matt Mitchell, and uh, who, who's, who, who's had steady numbers, but if, if you look for a growth, he could, he could lead that. Um, he could he- head towards that number of 40% behind the three-point line. So you have, uh, you know, four guys there, plus guys who right now could chip in, like Yanni Wetzel, uh, Trey Pulliam, and, and you know, uh, you have Kashad Johnson, who, who's, who's shown some nice strokes on, on threes. Um, obviously, I would not I would like to see him shoot less of them, but, you know, he shows he can, he can add to that category. So um, 40% around that, like you said, 38, anywhere from 30 to 41 would not surprise me. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they went below that, but um, if they stay at that area, I mean, that'd be good for us and um, would just be a testament to that we really do have some shooters because I do believe Malachi, Jordan, KJ are good three-point shooters. Matt as well. I think those guys are good three-point shooters. And, um, you know, the one thing that I've seen a lot this year is they really have been um, moving the ball well um, in through three games. And and that has been, I think, they're averaging 16 per game. And, that, and that's been really important to get find the open shooter because they're not taking bad three-point shots. They're, they're always pretty good. Yeah, man. I mean, that's that's the hope is that they can maintain a high level from there. And I think that's the style uh, Coach Dutcher wants to play. I don't. I don't. I know you've you've coached basketball at least at youth levels before because we've talked about that. I don't know how familiar you are with like the terminology, the the system the Aztecs are running this year in their motion offense, which is not their set plays is mm-hmm. called the uh, the mover blocker or the blocker mover. Um, it can also be called, oh God, what's the other term for it? I did a video on it a couple years ago. It was the same system they did in Dutch's first year. Um, I think it's just called wheel or something like that. Um, but mover cool. blocker is more, is more what, it's, what it's known as. And the whole point is to just have your big men set screens all over the floor and have uh, the, the backcourt just run off of screens and get open three-point shots just all the time. And so by running that, Dutcher is saying he has faith that his guys can hit shots at a high clip. And so hopefully they can uh, they can maintain a high level of, of shooting because, you know, this team, I, I mean, it's early and I have been impressed with the defense, but I still am not sold that it will be that elite level quite yet. And so being able to hit shots is going to be super important. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I, and I think um, 
I think you mentioned it elsewhere, but I feel like Dutcher is um, running more pl- uh, more plays to get his shooters open than before, and running for a variety of shooters. I feel like I've seen him run, obviously, for Jordan. He ran some plays. Uh, I feel like KJ Malachi gets some. Uh, I feel like that um, there's just a lot more movement to get different players, different looks, and that just shows to me that he trusts in them. So, uh, I mean... He, he's around the more, and I think he sees it. So that's, that's to me, is, uh, is helpful because we have a variety of ways to score. Um, you know, he's got some some moves to get um, everybody. Yanni's getting looked, getting, uh, the high-low. Nathan's getting, you know, some rules on, on defense off screen. So, yeah, I, I feel like he has more trust in the guys, and I feel like he has trust in the shooters because, um, you know, they have to be a threat to be able to run the defense, the offense inside, excuse me. What about their free throw shooting? As a team, they're shooting about 55% from the line through three games. Does that concern you at all? Yeah, definitely. I feel like we've never really ever been a great free throw shooting team, and, and, and right now it's really bad. Um, uh, that, that is concerning. Obviously, in a close game, you need those points. You can't leave them on the board, on the floor. So, um, I, I don't know. I, I feel... Uh, that it really, well, there just needs to be an improvement in that area. I mean, it's a small sample size, but it's hard to get that that percentage up once you you fall behind. So there, there's you know, outside of Matt Mitchell and and I guess KJ Fagan was four of six. Everybody else, you know, is leaving free points. So um, yeah, it's concerning. That I, I hope uh, hope that comes around because um, you know, like I I don't. Um, I, I don't. I don't want to pull my hair out at the end of the games uh, as we, you know, as we're clinging to a two, three point lead and we're missing, you know, front ends of one and ones and and things like that. Definitely. That. I mean, that would be super frustrating. I. I don't think I'm that worried about it. Honestly, okay. it, it hasn't been a good start. But just free throw shooting is so mental and so. I mean, once you can get it well and once you have that confidence, you should be able to maintain it. And so many of these players are good are, – are, for their career, they're good free throw shooters. Uh, Malachi Flynn is the one that stands out the most, and he's 5 for 10 so far, but I don't think he's going to shoot 50% for you know the course of the season. And so I, I'm not super worried about it. I'm not saying it'll – you know be world beating their percentage, but league average right now is 69%. I think they should be able to get it up to, to at least that. Um, I think they just have had an off start and they've only played three games in a couple weeks and they're going to, you know, by this time next week, they'll have played three more. And uh, if it's still not looking good at that point, I might start to worry, but right now I'm not super concerned about it. Yeah. I mean, to me, Outside of Matt Mitchell, who's shooting 80%, uh, I think that the guys who are the best free throw shooters on the team um, are Jordan Shackle, Adam Seiko, and Trey Pulliam. At, at, at Swish League, I, I never saw Trey Pulliam miss a single free throw uh, in the times I went. So I, I'm assuming he's a really good free throw shooter. Uh, combined, those three have two attempts. So, um, you know, that that might help the percentage if we get our better free throw shooters. Um, it's a little charity stripe, but 
Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I hope uh, you made me feel a little bit better. You made me feel a little bit better about that. <laughs> well, I'm glad I was finally able to have somebody on with a with a dissenting opinion. I think that's, that's <laughs> a good thing. Um, I mean, moving on from that, I. I, as an Aztec fan, feel really good about where this team is going, and I think from what I've seen on fan boards and on Twitter and stuff, that that is a a widely shared feeling. That being said, I think just as part of being a San Diego sports fan, there's always a part of me that's like, okay, what's what's going to go wrong now? Like, I can't I can't fully let myself be comfortable, and so I'm looking for that thing ahead of time that might go wrong and I'm wondering um if if this team has just kind of gotten lucky with the schedule and we've played a bunch of teams that either through injury or suspension or just overall roster construction they've been smaller and they haven't been very deep and those have been advantages that the Aztecs have been able to take advantage of and I'm wondering if the time comes where San Diego state plays a team with good size, like a new Mexico or like Utah state, that's four games later in the year that those teams have really good size. If the Aztecs won't be able to look as dominant as they have, because that rebounding advantage might be gone and the size advantage in general is gone. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Is this team just like an average team that's gotten lucky with its matchups or is this actually a good team? So yes, I'm a San Diego fan too. So of course I look for, what could go wrong as well, but uh, I don't know. Honestly, I, I thought about that. I we got lucky, you know. Billy Charles was out. Um, I who somebody was a late scratch in another game. A, a big man. Oh, uh, Jethro. Uh, I forgot his name. Or um, I forgot who we played for. One of the teams, their big man was out, and so yeah. So I see that, and I see us, you know, dominating down low. Points in the paint are pretty, you know, big for us inconclusive in my opinion. I'm not sure until I see us play someone just, you know, big. Um, you know, someone someone with a bunch of size in the front court, and they don't have to be great. I just want to see them do well against maybe a two, uh, a team that has two, two big tall guys in their front court and see how it goes. Um, but like you said, playing New Mexico later, or Utah State, um, hopefully because it's time to build and, and improve, you know, uh, or get some opportunities to play someone like that or just improve in practice. But I'd like to see us play against some bigger players and see how that goes because, yeah, I, it, it is something that's a fact. We have not played some strong, uh, big front courts, and we've dominated in the paint. And, and I, I don't know. I don't know until I see the opposite happen. Um, but it does – um, it does the thought creeps in the back of my mind like okay we dominated down low but you know two at least two 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 of the three teams we played uh we're missing their big men and you know the other one was just a small team so yeah that that's something to keep in mind yeah it's it's there for what it's worth i don't think that's the case i think this team actually is uh, a good a good team and I don't think we're being we're being fooled by the matchups necessarily uh, but I like I said I wanted to, to throw that out there for what it's worth San Diego State as I've looked ahead at the schedule 
I don't think they're going to face a team with good size for sure through the Creighton game. So for the next four games, uh, San Diego, Long Island University, Tennessee State, and Creighton, the Aztecs should have a good size advantage over all four of those teams. I haven't looked at either Iowa or Texas Tech yet. Um, I'll probably do that, you know, as it gets closer. But through the next four games, should have that size advantage. So hopefully, regardless of whether we're being fooled or not, hopefully they're able to, to keep it up and getting a win against Creighton using that size advantage could be could be huge come March time. Definitely. I mean, it's like you said, it, it wins. The wins what matters and it doesn't matter how it happened. And, um, you know, regardless, um, you know, we beat BYU and it was a close game and they were missing child, but then BYU went out and won uh, a big game against, uh, who was it? I'm sorry. Houston. They beat, they beat Houston on the road. Houston on the road. So, you know, um, you still, you still get, you know, you still got to go out there and play. And um, I said, they have three games, but, you know, they just got to keep working on that and, and just show us when it's time, I guess. There's not much more we can do besides just kind of accept that that's who's on the schedule and that's who we're going to play and that the W is what's important. What about the other thing that I've seen that has kind of concerned me is that it seems like at some point after halftime, in each of the games so far, the team, something has happened and they just kind of lose their mojo a little bit. So in Texas Southern, it was really the whole second half. They just, they weren't able to add on to their lead. And that half is really where a lot of the free throw problems come from specifically. In BYU, you know, they were up nine points and then they ended up going on, I don't, it was like a 23 to four run or whatever it was. And then they're down nine points and they're able to come back, which was awesome, but it shouldn't have gotten to the point where they were down nine points, anyways. And then at Grand Canyon, it wasn't it wasn't as pronounced, but Grand Canyon had whatever run they had. I don't remember how much it was like a eight to zero run or a ten to zero run, something like that. Whatever it was, are you concerned at all about those second halves in general? I noticed in Grand Canyon specifically, it happened when the bench players were in. Um, that wasn't the case with the other games though. Are you concerned that maybe this team isn't as deep as we might think, or that something just happens at halftime? I I don't know what it would be, but something happens where they kind of lose their mojo for a minute. Does that concern you at all? Do you think they'll be able to fix those second half woes in the next couple games? What what are your thoughts? Well, not really. Um, There's always kind of, I've kind of always um, had this thought as a coach that, if you're winning big or you, you had a great first half, the onus is not on you to change the way you're playing. I mean, you it's really a benefit to the team that's losing to change the mistakes that they're making and, and they adjust. And then as a coach, you need to, as the leading coach, you need to readjust back in the second, second half to what they're doing. And so I think I see a little bit of that. Um, I remember against Grand Canyon, I know, I know that when the bench guys came in, um, they were, you know, uh, Grand Canyon went on a nice little, a little run there, but, um, I would say like good portion of those shots were just good shots. They weren't, you know, weren't really um, defensive laps. I think there's going to be one in, out of that, in that run that was like a defensive lap. So I, I, I'm not too worried. I, 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 you know, basketball's a game of runs. And like I said, I feel like after halftime, then uh, the team that's down, 
is able to go back and adjust to what they see. But, you know, it's important that you just readjust to, to change what they're doing because um, to stop those runs, because I kind of feel like that's just how the game is played. It's, it's, it's a chess match back and forth. And I think that's why I love coaching basketball, because I feel like as a coach, you have a lot of impact to change with what the other team is doing. And, and, you know, halftime allows a team that's down to, to make some changes. Um, so not overly concerned, but, you know, um, I think it might cost, you know, if, if it goes too long, it might cost us in the game, but hopefully not. Like hopefully Dutcher just has a, a set plan to counter whatever, um, whatever the opposing team does. Yeah, which, as we've seen, he's been able to do in every game. So, I mean, maybe not the Texas Southern game, but they were ahead so far they didn't need to. But in BYU, they were able to come back from being nine down. And against Grand Canyon, they were able to stop the run and build the lead even more. So to Coach Dutch's credit, he has been able to do that. And, and you know, like you said, it's a chess match, and he was able to kind of take his lumps in it and then move his pieces around to still – come out with a win, which is definitely encouraging. It's, mm-hmm. I don't think it's something I'm really worried about either, but it's just something I've noticed. And I think it's something worth keeping an eye on as the season goes on. But uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Just something I noticed. And a, a big part of why I started Aztec Breakdown in general is just to uh, get to talk to other Aztec fans about something I'm passionate about, something they're passionate about. And so this is a this is a really nice opportunity to do that and not just be thinking to myself about these little patterns that I see. Right. Yeah, definitely. With that, uh, the next podcast I'm going to be recording is next Monday, and I will likely be recording either before the Tennessee State game or possibly during it. It depends. I have a guest lined up. I'm not going to say who it is in case. Something falls through, uh, but that is a teaser for the listeners. But because of that, I do want to kind of briefly preview the next three games. Have you looked at any of the upcoming opponents at all, Mike? I, I did. I, well, I mean, I have a couple, uh, I would say, sources or, or, or friends that are more familiar with uh, those programs. And, uh, you know, um, talk, to, talk to some people at San Diego. Um, they kind of really feel like it's a rebuilding year. Um, San Diego... Uh, well, USD, sorry, um, but they 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 have um, they had a lot of guys that were at Swiss League, and um, I know a couple other players were hurt, and they had some players that performed well. But I talking to like the people that I know there, um, they they really feel like it's a rebuilding year, and uh, the Aztecs really have, in my opinion, um, really an opportunity. To get some win, to get a win there, they did pull off an upset against Fresno State, um, and, but as an overall, like I feel that the Aztecs, should they be focused, should be able to pull this game out pretty, pretty handily. That's that's always the thing with our Aztecs is they seem to do something real well, and then for whether they get cocky or just overconfident or lose their foot, whatever it is, they just end up coming out the next game and, and blowing it. And that's why I was impressed with the Grand Canyon game because that would have been their chance to do it. San Diego is, is another opportunity where they've been playing well. If they come in not focused, they might 
lose, especially with the game, you know, air quotes being on the road. Um, that's a thing. L- looking at San Diego's roster, they're on average, they're probably bigger than some of the other teams we've played, but their tallest guys aren't. So they're, they're starting lineup with 6'2", 6'3", 6'6", 6'7", and 6'8". Yeah. So they got a lot of size on the wings, but not so much at the five position specifically. So I think the size advantage should be able to help the Aztecs there for sure and kind of just play the same way they have been playing. San Diego's defense so far has been pretty solid, according to Ken Palm, but their offense is pretty garbage. So shouldn't shouldn't be a shutout. The Aztecs should be able to win this game, even on the road. And it being, like I said, air quotes on the road, should bump it up a quad level. So it should be a quad three game, which isn't saying much, but it's better than winning a quad four game at least. So I'm looking forward to yeah, that. Definitely. Definitely. Um, looking at LIU Brooklyn again, I have I have uh, someone who out there that I that I speak to about them, and and they're very high on the squad. I mean, they're coming to commence this game one and three. Their only win was against a uh, winless Delaware State, but they've been pretty close in most of their games. I mean, they they their biggest loss was by thirteen, um, but again, it's a team that we should beat. Um, what can I say besides them? Just that they're. They're gonna play a very short, um, short bench. Uh, they, their players play a lot of minutes, so it, it's gonna be just one of those things. It, it's like most of these bye games, the Aztecs should come out and win. They just have to stay focused. Um, said run them. I, I love how the coach Dutch has been pressure, pressuring the ball a lot. Uh, just you know, make let them get tired and and just keep. I don't know, just, just just keep the pressure up and, and let their talent shine because I, I feel like we're more talented as these teams and there was a time that we beat them the handily you know guaranteed but you know that's it's not it's not a guarantee anymore and they just have to show up and and, and you know play at full force and and they should be able to win this one but uh, that being said as people I've talked to feel like it's a good team um, but I just they're just not at the San Diego State level in my opinion. Interestingly, it looks like Rhode Island is one of the faster teams in in the nation. Their top their top seventy five in their average possession length on both offense and defense. So mm-hmm. apparently, they like to get up and down the court, which kind of surprises me with you saying that you know they're playing less guys. But I mean, hey, more power to them. Looks like they lost to Rhode Island by eleven points, which is relatively close. Rhode Island is a pretty good team. So it'll be interesting to see what the Aztecs do there. They're 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 even smaller than uh than USD. Their starters look like they go six foot, six foot, six two, six six, and six nine. Yeah. So once once again I mentioned earlier, but once again big time size advantage. It looks like the Aztecs should have that really in most of their games this season, but especially through this next stretch here. And hopefully that will help their, uh, their finishing at the rim and their two point percentage come up. If those that, three that, that, that well, let's go. 
real Sorry. briefly to the last game here to, to preview. We got Tennessee State, Monday, November 25th. What do you think of them? Honestly, I, I don't know much about them. Um, I not, again, a school, I believe, I have to see their starting lineup. But again, I don't think, I mean, let me just say, a lot of these schools, are they have a lot of guys that are, you know, um, somewhat under the radar, uh, guys that, that, you know, come from Juco, not not that well polished. Um, but again, it, it's Tennessee State's really interesting in that um, they, I don't know what to make of them by just looking at their, like, and just looking at their scores, like, they scored 106 one day, and they scored 59 the next, and they scored 79 the next day. Like, I, I can't get a good handle on them. Um, they're actually playing right now uh, against some place called Fisk. But um, it'll be interesting. They, they're going to play Texas Tech before they play us. And I'm, I'm going to be watching that game, obviously, to watch Texas Tech. But it, it, it'll, be cur- it'll be curious to see what this team is about. Um, as a I don't know. Do you have? I don't know if you know anything about their starting lineup, but um, just to me, a real mystery. But again, uh, when you play schools from um, like a Tennessee State, you, you got to assume that you're just the the superior, more talented team. And if you put the higher, you know, the most effort in, then you should be able to get the, the victory. I'm, I'm really glad you brought up that they play Texas Tech before they play us because that was something I noticed the other day and I, I totally forgot about it. And Long Island also plays Texas Tech after they play us. So should we, one way or another, match up against Texas Tech come, uh, come the Las Vegas, the tournament in Las Vegas over Thanksgiving, this will be an interesting game to look at to kind of to gauge how that game might turn out. Tennessee State is interesting because, like you said, they got 106 points their first game, 59 the next game. Ken Palm has their offensive and their defensive ratings as just both being really, really bad. But their effective field goal percentage, which is their – it counts three-pointers as one-and-a-half shots made as opposed to one shot made to kind of adjust for for the harder shot. They're fourth in the nation through three games in effective field goal percentage. So they've shot the ball really well. Now it's against poor talent, but they've shot it really well. Their free throw percentage is bottom 10 in the nation. So that holds them back a little bit. But from the field, so far at least, they've shot it really well. So it's kind of an interesting dichotomy between their offensive rating and how well they're shooting. They uh, This is probably the biggest team overall of the next three games. Their starting lineup looks like it goes 5'10 at the point guard. So that's, I mean, really small. But then the next guy is 6'6", and then 6'7", and then two 6'9 guys. So they're actually taller than I thought I had remembered them. So this might be, even if talent-wise it's not a good matchup, it might be a good matchup to see, like we were talking about earlier, if this team is for real or if they're just an okay team that has outsized everybody so far yeah i i also noticed that i, I did look at the statistics and, and their field goal percentage and everything uh, i think free throw they were like 50 percent shooter shooting yeah um yeah i i, I really um they're out rerunning their opponents um by seven a game and they're oh, let's see right there. 
they're causing more um, they're, they're blocking a lot, like six six shots a game. So it'll be an interesting um, an interesting battle, like play the biggest battle on the board before uh, the next three games, and hopefully, um, you know, uh, the the size that we have on the wings and and in the um, and the depth that we have um, will, will cause problems for them. Just because you know, I, I'm still not ready to to say that our front court is, is foolproof. I feel like they've missed so many early, uh, easy buckets, which you kind of alluded to earlier. So it'll be an interesting test. But again, I just feel um, that the Aztecs are the superior, you know, uh, team, and and that should hopefully show during the game. Definitely. I mean, as a coach, you hate to say any game is a gimme game, but as a fan, these next three games should all pretty much be gimme games. So, I mean, it's kind of just like, hey, this is fun. When does Creighton come? Like, that's that's where the fan side of me is as far as this next week is concerned. And and uh, the team shouldn't look, look ahead, though. That's the problem. We don't want to look ahead to, because that's the game right before Crane, and it's important that they stay focused and just just play, you know, the way they're supposed to play. Because um, that that's probably my biggest concern that they look past any of these three teams and and, and not take them seriously. Because uh, I remember the Brown game where you know oh, yeah. it, was, it wasn't just a loss; it was it was a beatdown, and that was that was a terrible feeling. So I don't want to go that through was- that. The team does not want to go through that again. That was I mentioned that I normally get to one game a year. Last year I ended up getting to to two games over the holiday break, but Brown was was one of them. I think that was my first game that year, and it was like, what? Oh gosh, this is so bad. Yeah. So. Anyways, that's I, I mean I think that's all I have, man. Do you have anything you want to add? No, I, I think it's you know our thing's good. I, I I'm glad to see us three and zero. That's the most important thing. And um, you know, I I feel I know earlier in the year I wrote my uh, for Mount West Wire. I wrote some predictions on the the out of conference schedule. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really good about my prediction. I can't remember. I think it was like I predicted two or three losses, but I felt really good. So hopefully they can keep it up and and just um. You know, win the game that they're supposed to, which which they can do for so long. So that that's kind of just you know. Let, let's see how this team does, and it's just an exciting team to cheer for. Yeah, I think I think in that article you might have just said one loss. Honestly, I, uh, I might have. I I, I, I don't think I, I don't remember for sure. That might have been somebody else, but I remember because my prediction was for two losses. And somebody somewhere definitely predicted one loss, and I was like, "Wow, this is, okay, cool, let's do it." But like, yeah. I was like, "I'm not gonna go that far," but you definitely can. I'm about it, but I don't remember for sure if that was you or not. But uh, that, may, that may have been me. That sounds like me. I'm I'm, I'm pretty much <laughs> so I I can't help but be an optimist. So that may have been me, but yeah, I, again, I, I you know the Aztecs. Like I said, got lucky, not lucky, but they got fortunate that Yuri Charles wasn't there. It was a different game, and uh, they they have some tough matches, but they got some chances here to get some big wins. And, um, you know, I, I can't remember the last time we went 0-2 in a tournament or 0-3. We always pull one out, and so 
Yeah, I've been pulling at least one out in Vegas, and and that would be a great uh, great start uh, for the out of conference schedule. Awesome. Well, Mike, thanks for joining. You guys can find Mike at Aztec Hoops Nation on Twitter, and also uh, what's what's the website, Mike? Is it just Aztec Hoops Nation also? Yes, Aztec Hoops. Uh, on Twitter, it's Aztec underscore Nation. Uh, the website is AztecHoopsNation.com. That's right. That's right. Thanks. Thanks for that correction. I'm a fool. Um, yeah, Mike, thanks for coming on and we'll have to have you on. Sheesh. We'll have to have you on again later in the season. That sounds right. I'd love to come back.